There's a uh, brand on the wall that's Le, Le Coq Sportif. Le Coq Sportif. The, the athletic chicken, I guess. <laughs> the athletic <laughs> chicken. You are the athletic chicken. Hello. Yeah. Welcome to Infinite Cast. Uh, your pod, Jess. Uh, this week's tennis highlights coming from Seoul, South Seoul, uh, South Korea. I was just thinking that it's like, you know, it's like, of course, there's a a tennis uh, like tournament in Seoul. It's just like the the Saudis have want to start their like golf thing, and mm. there's like you know, Emirati tennis and stuff. It, it's just funny that how much these things become signifiers of like, yes, we are. We are here on the global stage of of fanciness. Yes, we have te- we have we tennis have, tournaments here. We have a Mercedes sponsorship as well, which is like you know, no shade to the the South Koreans, but it is, at a certain level, it's like you know, you're kind of playing yourself by having to bow into uh you know tennis, tennis supremacy, like 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 invent a new big sport. dick us and be like, no, we're doing the South Korean, the traditional South Korean sport. And we're making it big and fancy and we're getting gray goose to sponsor us well, and shit like that. You know, this is like, um, that, uh, Mad Men episode where, uh, high Oh yes. They're trying to get the high ally deal. Oh, God, who's, <laughs> whose idea was that? Like high rips though. Have you ever watched high ally? No, high ally is cool. I just meant more like wh- who on the writers team was like, yeah, this is something that like we, we should definitely <laughs> include. Cause it is, it's a interesting, Interesting. I don't know. I, 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 I mean, like we were that. Just, we were literally just talking about how good Mad Men is at making like pulling weird, totally real, legitimate cultural things that you would never expect. Uh, Molly and I were just talking about how great the scene is where Don goes backstage to a Rolling Stones concert and how utterly disinterested the show is in showing or highlighting the role like yeah taking Don to a Rolling Stones concert and then being purposefully like we are not going to show you any bit of the Rolling Stones yeah and I mean I'm sure part of that is not wanting to pay for a Rolling Stones anything yeah but the other part is the perfect thing of the show because the show is not interested in the Rolling Stones because Don is not interested in the yeah. Rolling Stones because that is kitty garbage and he is a serious man he's a serious man yeah you know it's some teeny bopper yeah it's a teeny bopper shit and they've gotten legendarified afterwards but in the moment he is correct that this is this is baby shit and i'm an adult trying Mm. to make money off of an ad deal yeah that that, that'd be like him going to like a one direction show yes exactly oh my god i'm surrounded by screaming girls children yes yeah and and they all think uh, Harry style Harry Styles and Louis Tomlinson are secretly gay. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but that's why, man, man. I know this is going against uh, left wing podcaster orthodoxy, but uh, I'm sorry, uh, Sopranos is not the best show ever. Mad Men is the best show ever. Of those two shows, there's one that I I you know seek out and enjoy as a rewatch. Yes. Um, and that that feeds my soul. But yeah, all yeah. right. Should we should we get into the? Let's get into it. Hey, we're here to read Infinite Infinite Jest. Infinite Jest. What do we, what what do we do? Oh, it's we just got off Mario Mario the trio of Mario conversations. Yeah, okay, great. Well, we're having another conversation, but we've moved we've moved away. Um, I think I might. Well, you can figure it out. Can I ask you how it is being in that thing? Thing. You know, don't play dumb and embarrass me. A wheelchair is a thing which you prefer it or do not prefer. It is no distance. Difference. You are in the chair even if you do not prefer it. So it is better to prefer, no? I can't believe I'm drinking. There's all these people in the house. They're always worried they're going to drink. 
I'm in there for drugs. I've never had more than a beer ever in my life. I only came in here to throw up from getting mugged. Some street guy was offering to be a witness and he would not leave me alone. Wait, so is this Kate Gompard in not Marath, but Marath. It, it is Marath? Are they in Edit House or are they at the the? They're at a place? bar. They're okay, at a bar. Okay, great. I didn't even have any money. I came in here to vomit. I know what it is you are meaning. <laughs> What's your name one more time? I call myself Rémy. This is a beautiful thing, as Hester would say. I don't feel horrid anymore. Rémy, I feel better than I feel. Fell and ever so I don't know how long. This is like the Novocaine of the soul. <laughs> I'm like, why was I spending all that time doing one hitters when this is really what I call feeling better? Us, I do not take any drugs. I drink infrequently. Well, you're making up for lost time, I have to say. When I drink, I have many drinks. This is how it is for my people. <laughs> my mom wouldn't even have it in the house. She said it's what made her father drive into concrete and wipe out his entire family, which, like, I'm so tired of hearing it. I came in here, what is this place? This, it is Riles Inman Square Club of Jazz. My wife is dying at home in my native province. <laughs> There's this thing in the big book. They make us every Sunday. We have to drag ourselves out of bed at the absolute crack of dawn and sit in a circle and read out of it. And half the people can barely even read. And it's excruciating to listen to. You should make your voice lower for in the hours of no jazz, they enjoy low voices coming in for quiet. And there's a thing about a car salesman trying to quit drinking. It's about the, they call it the insanity of the first one, drink. He comes in a bar for a sandwich and a glass of milk. Are you hungry? No. <laughs> what am I saying? I don't have any money. I don't even have my purse. This stuff makes you stupid, but it makes you feel quite a bit improved. He wasn't thinking of a drink. And then all of a sudden he thinks of a drink. This guy. Out of a blue place in one flashing instant. <laughs> Exactly. But the insanity is after all this time in hospitals and losing his business and his wife because of drinking, he suddenly gets it in his head that one drink won't hurt him if he puts it in a glass of milk. I assume this is from the big book and I don't I haven't read the book, the big book. I probably should. Crazy in his head. So when this absolutely reptilian character you saved me from by sitting down, rolling over or whatever, sorry. When he says, can he buy me a drink? The book flashes in my mind. And for sort of as it felt like a joke, I ordered Kahlua and milk. Me, I come in for nights. I am tired after the music has packed away for the quiet. I use the telephone here as well sometimes. I mean, even before the mugging, I was walking along soberly deciding how to kill myself, so it seems a little silly to worry about <laughs> drinking. You have a certain expression of resemblance of my wife. Your wife is dying. Jesus, I'm sitting here laughing and your wife is dying. I think it's that I haven't felt decent in so freaking long. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm not talking like good. I'm not talking like pleasure. I don't want to go overboard with this thing, but at least at like zero even, what do they call it? Feeling no pain. I know of this meaning. I am spending a day to find someone I think my friends will kill. All the time I am awaiting the chance to betray my friends. And I come here and telephone to betray them. And I see this bruised person who strongly resembles my wife. I think, Remy, it is time for many drinks. Are we to imply or believe is the implication that she Kate and what's her name the other character like ducked into the video place mm -hmm. 
to escape the mugging or to, or chased the um, poor Tony into the video place, right? Because he the last we saw of that scene, he was diving into the okay. The video so place. it was a chick. Kate got clonked and she fell off. Okay, the other chick who's ver. Oh God, not Vernese. That's that's the name of someone at my office. Um, uh, oh God, it's not not Clinette, but an- another another chick managed to follow. Um, poor Tony. Poor Tony, and then poor Tony. Poor Tony finally shook her off, uh, and she like crashed into a dumpster. And then poor Tony was about to launch himself, herself, himself into uh, the video store. Right. And now Kate needs to puke because she's concussed. And she goes into the bar and happens upon Raimi, who is freaking out because he finally needs to make the call of when does he do the quadruple cross? Okay. Because the time has come. Because otherwise, like, they're going to kill Joe. They're going to find Joel and they're going to kill her. Uh, you understand? Yes. yes. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah. And, it was, and they have lo- theoretically located the entertainment. They, yeah. So, like, the, the, it's at, the moment is at hand. of He has to decide, like, what what to do. So, he needs to tie one on. And he's, and he's drinking. Yes. Uh. Well, I think you're nice. I think you just about saved my life. I spent like nine weeks feeling so bad I wanted to just about kill myself, both getting high and not. Dr. Garten never mentioned this. He talked plenty about shock, but he never even freaking mentioned Kahlua and milk. (laughs) Catherine, I will tell you a story about feeling so bad and saving a life. I do not know you, but we are drunk together now. And will you hear the story? It's not about hitting bottom, ingesting any sort of substance and trying to surrender, is it? (laughs) My people, we do not hit the bottoms of women. (laughs) I am, shall we say, Swiss. My legs, they were were lost in the teenage years being struck by a train. (laughs) That must have smarted. (laughs) I I feel like I'm doing her like a girl you wish you hadn't started a conversation with at a party. Yes. Do her like Alison Roman. Okay, yeah. Uh, I would have temptation to say you have no idea, but I am sensing you have an idea of hurting. You have no idea. I am in early 20 years without the legs. Many of my friends also without legs. Must have been an awful train crash. (laughs) Also, my own father dead when his uh, Kenbeck pacemaker came within range of a misdialed number of a cellular phone far away in Trois-Rivières in a freakish occurrence of tragedy. My dad emotionally abandoned us and moved to Portland, which is in Oregon, with his therapist. <laughs> also in this time, my Swiss nation, we are a strong people, but not as strong as a nation. Str- surrounded by strong nations, there is much hatred of our neighbors and unfairness. It all started when my mom found a picture of his therapist in his wallet and goes, what's that doing in here? <laughs> it is for me, who I am weak, so painful to be without legs in the early 20 years. One feels grotesque to people. One's freedom is restricted. I have no chances now for jobs in the mines of Switzerland. The Swiss have gold mines, as you say, and much beautiful territory, which the stronger nations at the time of losing my legs committed paper atrocities to my nation's land. Frucking bastards. It is a long story to the side of this story, but my part of the Swiss nation is in my time of no legs invaded and despoiled by stronger and evil hated hated and neighboring nations who claim, as in the Anschluss of Hitler, that they are friends and are not invading the Swiss, but conferring on us gifts of alliance. Total dicks. It is to the side, but for my Swiss friends and myself without legs, it is a dark period of injustice and dishonor and of terrible pain. 
Some of my friends roll themselves off to fight against the invasion of paper, but me, I am too painful to care enough to fight. To me, the fight seems without point. Our own Swiss leaders have been subverted to pretend the invasion is alliance. We very few legless young cannot repel an invasion. We cannot even make our government admit that there is an invasion. I am weak and in pain. See, all is pointless. I do not see the meaning of choosing to fight. You're depressed is what you are. I see no point and do no work and belong to nothing. I am alone. I think of death. I do nothing but frequently drink, roll around the despoiled countryside, sometimes dodging falling projectiles of invasion, <laughs> thinking of death, bemoaning the depredation of the Swiss land in great pain. But it is myself I bemoan. I have pain. I have no legs. I'm identifying every step of the way with you, Ramy. Oh, God. What did I say? <laughs> is, it, is the way she's saying Remy spelled differently? R-A-M-Y rather than R-E-M-I. Ramy. 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 And us, our Swiss countryside is very hilly. The fauteuil, it is hard to push up many hills. Then one is breaking with all the might to keep from flying out of control on the downhill. Sometimes it's like that walking, too. Catherine, I am an English moribund. I have no legs, no Swiss honor, no leaders who will fight the truth. I'm not alive, Catherine. I roll from skiing lodge to tavern, frequently drinking, alone, wishing for my death, locked inside my pain in the heart. I wish for my death, but have not the courage to make actions to cause death. I twice try to roll over the side of a tall Swiss hill, but cannot bring myself. I curse myself for cowardice and unutile. I roll about, hoping to be hit by a vehicle of someone else, but at the last minute, rolling out of the paths of vehicles on auto routes, for I am unable to will my death. The more pain in myself, the more I am inside the self and cannot will my death, I think. I feel I am chained in a cage of the self, from the pain, unable to care or choose anything outside it, unable to see anything or feel anything outside my pain. The billowing-shaped black sailing wing. I am so totally identifying. It's not even funny. My story, it was one day at the top of a hill, I had drunkenly labored for many minutes to roll to the crest, and looking out over the downhill slope, I see a small hunched woman in what I am thinking is a metal hat far below at the bottom, <laughs> attempting the crossing of the Swiss provincial auto route at the bottom, in the middle of the provincial auto route, this woman, standing and staring in the terror at one of the hated long and shiny many-wheeled trucks of our paper invaders, bearing down at her at high speeds in the hurry to come despoil part of the Swiss land. Like one of those Swiss metal helmets? Is she scrambling crazily to get out of the way? <laughs> Does she mean like a Viking helmet? I'm, I'm, pic I'm picturing um, the helmets that like the, uh, the Swiss guard for the, the oh. Pope. You know, it, it's got like the kind of crest in the middle and then the wide flat mm -hmm. brim. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, also, uh, Jeez, morose much, uh, Marath? <laughs> morose Marath. She is standing, transfixed with horror of the truck, identically as I had been motionless and transfixed by horror inside me, unable to move, like one of the many moose of Switzerland, <laughs> transfixed by the headlights of one of the many logging trucks of Switzerland. The sunlight is reflecting madly on her metal hat as she is shaking her head in terror, and she is clutching her, pardon me, but her female bosom, as if the heart of her would explode from the terror. And you think, oh, fuck me. Just great. Another horrible thing I'm going to have to stand here and witness and then go feel pain over. But the great gift of time today, of this time today at the hilltop above the provincial auto route is I do not think of me. 
I do not know this woman or love her, but without thinking, I release my brake and I am careening down the downhill, almost wipeouting numerous places on the bumps and rocks of the hill's slope. And as we say in Switzerland, I shush at enough speed to reach my wife and sweep her up into the chair and roll across the provincial auto route into the embanking ahead, just ahead of the nose of the truck, which had not slowed. Hang me upside down and fuck me in both ears. You, <laughs> you pulled yourself out of a clinical depression by being a freaking hero. <laughs> we rolled and tumbled down the embanking on the auto route's distant side causing my chair to tip and injuring a stump of me and knocking away her thick metal hat. You saved somebody's freaking life, Ramy. I give my left nut for a chance to pull myself out of the shadow of the wing that way, Ramy. You are not seeing this. It was this frozen with the terror woman. She saved my life. For this, saved my life. This moment broke my moribund chains, Catherine. In one instant and without thought, I was allowed to choose something as more important than my thinking of my life. Her, she allowed this will without thinking. She, with one blow, broke the chains of the cage of pain at my half a body and nation. When I had crawled back to my fauteuil and placed my tipped fauteuil aright and I was again seated, I realized the pain of inside no longer pained me. I became then adult. I was permitted leaving the pain of my own loss and pain at the top of Switzerland's Mont Papineau. It's just like continuing the trend that I find very funny of Morath getting worse at speaking English as yes. time goes on. Yeah. And the in his his converse, his style getting more convoluted and like Yeah. How many times was the word pain, pain in the last so sentence? Many. Like four. My pain. My pain. <laughs> my pain. My pain. Oh, my, oh pain. my pain. Because suddenly you gaze at the girl without her metal hat and felt a rush of passion and fell madly in love enough to get married and roll off together into this. She had no skull, this woman. <laughs> Sorry. Later, I am learning. She had been among the first Swiss children of southwestern Switzerland to become born without a skull from the toxicities in association of our enemy's invasion on paper. Without the confinement of the metal hat, the head hung from the shoulders like the half-filled balloon or empty oh bag, God. the eyes and oral cavity greatly distended from this hanging, and sounds exiting this cavity, which were difficult to listen. But still, something about her moved you to fall madly in love. Her gratitude and humility and acceptance and that kind of quiet dignity really horribly handicapped birth-defected people usually have. It, <laughs> well, did she stop herself from saying handicap? It was not mad. I had already chosen. The unclamping of the brakes of the fauteuil and shushing to the auto route. This was the love. I had chosen loving her above my lost legs and this half a self. self. And she looked at your missing limbs and didn't even see them and chose you right back. Result, passionate love. There was, for this woman in the embanking, no possible choosing. Without the containing helmet, all energies in her were committed to the shaping of the oral cavity. This is so gross. Shaping of the oral cavity in a shape that allowed breathing, which was a task of great enormity. For her head, it had also neither muscles nor nerves. The special hat had found itself dented in upon one side, and I had not the ability to shape my wife's head into a shape that I could stuff the sack of her head into the hat. And I chose to carry her over my shoulders in a high-speed rolling to the nearest Swiss hôpital specializing in deformities of grave nature. <laughs> it was there I learned of the other troubles. <laughs> I think I'd like a couple more Kahlua and milks. There was the trouble of the digestive tracking. There were seizures also. 
There were progressive decays of circulation and vessel, which calls itself restenosis. There were the more than standard accepted amounts of eyes and cavities in many different stages of development upon different parts of the body. There were the fugue states and rages and frequency of coma. She had wandered away from a public institution of Swiss charitable care. Worst for choosing to love was the cere cerebro and spinal fluids, which dribbled at all times from her distending oral cavity. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. <blah>. Sorry. <laughs> And but your passionate love for each other dried up her cerebrospinal drool and ended the seizures. And there were certain hats she just looked so good in just about drove you mad with love. Is that it? Garcon, <laughs> is the madly in love part coming up? <laughs> Catherine, I had Garçon two. Garcon means boy. Garcon means boy. Catherine, I had two believed there was no love without passion, pleasure. This was part of the pain of the no legs. This fear that for me there would be no passion. The fear of the pain is many times worse than the pain of the pain. Nessa. Ramy, I don't think I'm like, uh, Ramy, I don't think I'm like thinking this is a feel better story at all. I tried, <laughs> I tried to leave the soft head and cerebrospinally incontinent woman, Mepouse au futur, behind at the hôpital of grave nature and to wheel off into my new life of uncaged acceptance and choice. I would roll into the fraying of battle for my despoiled nature, nation. For now, I saw the point, not of winning, but of choosing merely to fight. But I had traveled no more than several revolutions of the fauteuil when the old despair of before choosing this no-skull creature rose up once again inside me. Within several revolutions, there was no point again and no legs and only fear of the pain that made me choose. Pain rolled me backwards to this woman, my wife. <laughs> You're saying this is love? This isn't love. I'll know when it's love because of the way it'll feel. It won't be about spinal fluid and despair. Believe you me, bucko. It'll be about your eyes meet across someplace and both your knees give out. And from that second forward, you know you're not going to be alone and in hell. You're not half the guy I started to think you might have been, Ray. I had to face. I had chosen. My choice. This was love. I had chosen, I think, the way out of the chains of the cage. I needed this woman. Without her to choose over myself, there was only pain and not choosing, rolling, rolling drunkenly and making fantasies of death. This is love? It's like you were chained to her. It's like if you tried to get on with your own life, the pain of the clinical depression came back. It's like the clinical depression was a shotgun nudging you down the wedding aisle. Was there even a wedding aisle? Could she even get down a wedding aisle? <laughs> My wife's wedding helmet was of the finest nickel mined and molded by friends in the nickel mines of southwest switzerland each of us we were rolled down the aisle in special conveyings hers with special pans and drains for the fluids it was the happiest day ever for me since the train the cleric asked did i choose this woman there was a long time of silence my whole very being came to a knife-like point in that instant catherine my hand holding tenderly the hook of my wife hook as in hand hook I have been knowing since the wedding night her death was coming. Her restenosis of the heart, it is irreversible. Now, my Gertrude, she has been in a comatose and vegetating state for almost one year. This coma has no exit, it is said. The advanced Jarvik, uh, oh, what is IX? Is that nine? Yes. Not Jarvik 9 exterior artificial heart is said by the public aid cardiologists of Switzerland to be her chance for life. With it, they say my wife can live for many more years in a comatose and vegetated state. So you're down here like pressing your case to the Jarvik 9 people at Harvard or wherever? 
<laughs> it is for her I betray my friends and sell, the cause of my nation, which now that victory and independence of the neighbors is possible, I am betraying it. You're spying and betraying Switzerland to try and keep alive somebody with a hook and spinal fluid and no skull and an irreversible coma? And I thought I was disturbed. You're making me totally reorient my idea of disturbed, <laughs> mister. I am not telling for disturbing you, poor Catherine. I am telling of pain and saving a life and love. Well, Ray, far be it far... <laughs> Far be it from far for me, <laughs> but that's not love. That's low self-esteem and self-abuse and settling for less, choosing a coma over your comrades. He needs to do some self-searching. He needs to uh, watch some uh, astrology TikToks. He needs to get a better sense of self. Yeah. He, he has anxiety and depression. and depression. Assuming you're not even, uh, assuming you're even not totally lying to get me into the hay or some fucked up, disturbed, sicko shit like that. This, which I've got to tell you, saying I remind you of her isn't exactly the way to sweep my feet off. You know what I'm saying here? This is what is hard to tell, to ask any person to see. It is no choice. It is not choosing Gertrude over the AFR, my companions, over the causes. Choosing Gertrude to love as my wife was necessary for the others, these other choices. Without the choice of her life, there are no other choices. I tried leaving at the commencement. I got only very few revolutions of the fauteuil. Sounds more like a gun to your head than a choice. If you can't choose the other way, there's no choice. No, but this choice, Catherine, I made it. It chains me, but the chains are of my choice. The other chains, no. The others were the chains of not choosing. Do you have a twin that just came in and sat down just to the left of you, but is also like about one third overlapping on you? You are merely drunk. This will happen quickly if unused to alcohol. Nausea often accompanies this. Do not be alarmed if there is visual doubling, losing balance, and nausea of the stomach. The price of a like complete normal human digestive tract. I used to throw up every morning without drinking. Rain and shine both. You think there is no love without the pleasure, the no choice compelling of passion. I appreciate the drinks and all, but I don't think I'm going to like memorize a lecture on love from somebody who marries somebody with cerebro fluids spewing out of their mouth. No offense intended. As you say, my opinions are only that the love of uh, love you of this country speaks of yields none of the pleasure you seek in love. This whole idea of the pleasure and good feelings being what to choose to give yourself away to that all choice for you leads there. This pleasure of not choosing. Don't grudge me a little feeling good of all people. Ray asshole shit puddles <laughs> Swiss head silence silence from a uh, Remy. Is it better to throw up right away or try to wait before you throw up Mr. Drinking expert? I am thinking what if I were to claim we might leave and I could lead you only three streets from here and show you something with this promise. You would feel more good feeling and pleasure than ever before you. You would never again feel sorrow or pity or the pain of the chains and cage of never choosing. I am thinking of this offer. You would reply to me what? <laughs> I would make the reply that I've heard that one before, asshole. And from, <laughs> from guys with a little more to them south of the waist, if you follow. I do not understand. 
What I reply is I'm a shitty lay as in sex partner. I've only been sexual twice and both times it was awful. And Brad Anderson, when I called and said, why didn't you call again, Brad Anderson? You know what he said? He said I was a lousy lay and my snatch was sure awful big for somebody with such a little flat ass, Brad Anderson said. (laughs) No, no, you are not understanding. That's just what I said. You would say, no, thank you. You are saying, but this is because you would not believe my claim. Silence from Gompert. If my claim, it was true, you would say yes, Catherine. No. Silence again. Yes. That's the end of that conversation. Great. Let's wrap it there. That's about 28 minutes. Great. That's a perfect little segment. Great. Um, Christoph Waltz as Morath. And of course, Sydney Sweeney as Kate Gompert. Oh yeah, that'd be great because Kate Gompert breasts. Of course, boobily. she breasts boobily. Yeah, uh, but also I think and has the flat affect followed by uh, you know yeah. a drunken uh, emotional outburst. Yes. Have we done Marath before? Christoph Waltz is that? Does that work? He could do Swiss, right? Yeah. <laughs> name a well, I mean, for yeah. a dollar, name a Swiss actor. I can't. <laughs> I can name a Swiss tennis player, Roger Federer. And also, Waltz could play in his. What, what do we imagine Morath is? Is like sixty something like that? He's yeah, older. Yeah, I, th- right? I think of him as like gray, graying, but not like fully yes. decrepit. And he's he's like low key strong though. I'm, yes. Maybe he's like fifty, early fifties. Yes. Anyway, Waltz, Waltz could do it. What, what he, do we, he can play that generic European. Yeah, regular style of European. Yeah. What do What do we think? Um, I think. What what do we think of Marath as a character? Do you do you like him? Do you sympathize with him? I mean, it's fun. It it is funny that like there's this whole hemming and hawing over who to betray, and he's strung both sides along, and like yeah. he's you know he he appears to be a militant Quebecois separatist, but like he truly like he's he's betraying his country so that his wife can be in a vegetative state forever. Yeah, I mean this this description of him, it, it's very interesting that he has this like. This relationship that he describes as one of basically like uh, of impassioned obligation right? of like he was in the suicidal state. Right. And then through a moment of pure obligation uh, of instinctual obligation to save mm-hmm. someone, he he sets his own life aside, has a and I, I honestly I think that that description in itself is is interesting because it's like it has the implication of like the suicidal thought as like this thought of Mm. like pure narcissism. Yes. And that the thing to escape from it is a moment that forces you to escape the thinking of yourself. Yes. And be completely in the invested into the thinking of another person. Yeah. And then though (laughs) through his saving, he becomes connected with this like disgusting, (laughs) like, and as the book describes her like disgusting, useless individual, but he must, yeah. Invest in their survival because they are the thing outside of him that keeps him alive. Yes. Like it, which he, I, I understand what he's saying in his weird Quebecois kind of drunk way that like, yeah, that he, he's like, well, it was this or killing myself. Yes. But it is, it is also just funny that like he, you know, he talks about and I get, okay. So he's, he doesn't like Americans because we seek pleasure. Yes. Um, and he's like, I'm going, I'm going to do the opposite of that. I'm going to seek out someone who I rely on to, to like 
you know, for my like life force because otherwise I'd just kill myself because nothing is worth living for. But she is the opposite of what you would imagine a wife would be. Yes. She can't do like there. You can't go on dates. You, you, I don't even know if she speaks. Yes. Like she he, he's like, let, let me get a wife without. Uh, let me be in a relationship with zero pleasure because yes. she's constantly bur- burbling uh, cerebral, spinal. cerebral spinal fluid. It's funny because he, he describes her as having the external heart, but in a way she is his external heart. Yes. <laughs> uh, ha, ha. That's it, writing, baby. And also, uh, he to me, he is as addicted to the concept of being married to her mm-hmm. as anyone else is addicted, well, he's addicted to anything to obligation. else. He's addicted to obligation. He's addicted uh, as, as I think, you know, the, the kind of weird European archetype that he that Wallace is trying to write this person to he's a, he's addicted to duty and honor in that weird like European noble way mm-hmm. uh, in the same way that anyone else is also it's just funny how how much in this book likes referring to re- referring to absent or dead fathers who uh, are like uh, alcoholics who did something yeah. uh, like uh, disastrous to their family yeah yeah, like um, Avril's grandfather yes, who threw gets, his, gets her father out a window. Time, or yeah, like what was that? He gets he drunk drinks four, four times, four times, times a, year a year. Throws his father out. Throws and then disappears into the yeah. Quebecois countryside. Yeah. yeah, I think, and that's the other thing that I think the general implication of is like though Re- Remy says like it's not about happiness, it's not about pleasure, it's not about entertainment, it's about obligation and duty. Like it's something yeah. beyond myself. Um, does this wife even want to be alive? Yes. Uh, you are complete. You are. It's, she's like the Omelis kid. She is. Or she's like the fucking portrait of Dorian Gray or something. Yeah. You know, or I mean, yeah. do we, we talk about Terry Shivo on, on this? Have we talked about Terry Shivo? What a weird time, time it was. Kids, remember Terry Shivo? Hey, if, you, if you're too young to remember the absolute dominance of the Terry Shivo story. That was story, like an entire summer. The only thing the entire nation could talk about. Is, it was a is, couple of years. Should we keep this dead person alive? Yeah. And it was someone who uh like her husband was the person in control of her bodily like whatever in the absence of her being able to make decisions they they did all these scans she was clearly not not alive in any other way other than like vitals Mm -hmm. uh she wasn't coming back and her fucking religious freak parents were like she smiled once in a when we like talked to her so therefore she's alive it went up to the fucking president of the united states of america george w bush uh to try like all these republicans basically being like we can use this as a cudgel yes and like we can use this we can create a political opportunity here all because this uh woman you know beat her the machines beeped but no one was home the bush years really i mean as 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 torqued and turned as people get around the trump years the bush years were perverse also wild another way i mean yeah anybody anybody who's, who listens to chapel we, we were just talking about this on the uh elections episode matt correctly pointed out talking about the pennsylvania senate rate race how wild it is for anybody who lived through the bush years that a sunni muslim is running for senator of pennsylvania mm-hmm. and it is a non-issue it's a non-issue yeah like nobody has mentioned it yeah whereas like any time from 2000 to 2007 that would be like it would be the issue of the campaign can yeah. a muslim be senator in, in of the united states of yes America? fucking Sikh people were getting like, like murdered yes uh Wild. because uh americans can't fucking distinguish between different kinds of like <laughs> head wraps is turban yeah re- really dumb really dumb Sikh people are cool they you know they carry daggers around yeah i did i didn't know that um uh uh anyway terry shiva yeah just you know the 
the the other thing about the case is that it changed that it changed no legal precedents. It did not break any new legal ground. Yes. It was found to the, the law was found to work exactly as it was supposed to, which is that her husband was in charge of her medical affairs and yeah. he said pull the plug. Yes. And yet so much time and energy and money and and national angst over this idea. Yes. Meanwhile, it's just like she what what is an alive person? Not not whatever she was. Uh, I don't know. It just makes me makes me think of uh, Marath's comatose. Yes. Um, is it psychopomp? Is that a real? She she exists to be like a a repository of his mental mental energies. Yeah. And and yet and so he is going to do something uh, insane. And she yeah on, her, on on her behalf. Yeah. Right. He's going to do something insane no matter what. But also, I mean, at the end, he seems to be getting annoyed enough with Kate to suggest showing her the entertainment, mm -hmm. which suggests that he's, you know, he's maybe not as honorable as a guy as he thinks that he truly does believe that Americans are disposable if they if yeah. they don't like it, if he's not vibing with them. I don't know. Well, I, I'm i not a big Remy fan. There's I kind of I kind of I, I took that more as like he's he's just toying with the idea of like what would you do if i told you that i could show you something that would give you unlimited pleasure forever yeah yeah right <laughs> she's like i don't like to fuck yeah she's like i'm not gonna go to your apartment and look at your etchings bro <laughs> yeah if, if, if someone hit hit on you out in the world world and was like you want to come over to my house and watch the entertainment <laughs> it's hard it's a hard pitch it basically makes you sound like the uh you know, the um, the Cenobites from Hellraiser being like, we have such sights to show you. <laughs> oh, you'll never, I've not seen Hellraiser. You'll I'm never sorry. watch Hellraiser. I think like Hellraiser is creepy and scary, but mm. it is also like a goofy spectacle enough that I think you could maybe get through it. Okay, we'll see. I'll take my temperature. How much does the guy with pins in his head scare you? Kind of a, oh, I don't like to look at, I don't like to look at him. You don't like to look at him? Doesn't please me. All right. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's not like a jump scare. It's just like mm -hmm. you, you, you solve the box and they come, you know? Okay. <laughs> are you, are you aware? I'm not aware? I literally don't know what a hell, a hell razor Well, you is. solve the box and they come. Okay. All right. And then Thanks they, they show you me. a dimension beyond pleasure and pain. Okay. Well, I mean, that that's, yeah. What what if not pleasure and not suffering, but a, but secret, a secret third, third thing? thing? Uh, yes. That I would like to, I would like to hear about it. Well, that's why you solve the box and then, and then they come. Yeah. The Cenobites. Yeah. To show you the secret third thing. Okay. Well, I'm also not good at solving things either. So well, that's sure true. You might not even get box. past solving the, uh, the <laughs> lament configuration. <laughs> Uh, it's a fate I'll have to have to live with. <laughs> I, uh, don't worry, I'll solve the lament configuration for you. Mm -hmm. Just like putting together the IKEA. Uh, anything else? Eh. We saw Marianne Williamson speak last night. Oh yeah, that was crazy. She is insanely good. We honestly, it's it's funny because she was like, you know, we interviewed her for Chapo and she was running for president. And like everybody was like, this is is this a joke? Is this? Like what? What is, is this a bit or yeah. something? And it's like, the thing is, is that she has the absolute correct diagnosis of, uh, like the the problem with America. America is soul sick, and she has the right diagnosis that it is like the bad vibes created in everything, the culture, uh, you know, news, politics. She over and over again directly relates to the decline in material conditions. Yes. Uh, in a very direct, relatable, like 
correct way, mm-hmm. but then also takes the second leap to something that somebody like Bernie doesn't do to be like all the stuff that irritates you all the time, all the people being loud and mean and yelling on TV, mm-hmm. all the uh, bad, the bad vibes. Yeah, the bad vibes. It's not just because people are assholes or you're like mad at conservatives or the conservatives are mad at liberals. It's because the material conditions are declining. Yes. And it's driving everyone insane. Yes. Yeah. That's where I can't, I mean, at the end of the day, like someone can have some pretty uh, gnarly uh, political views and you can usually just like trace it back up the flow chart and being like, you're poor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or, or someone is, yes. or so like someone, you know, or you're afraid you. of becoming poor. Yeah. Or you're mad at people for being poor. Yeah. It, in the end, poverty is some someone is is usually the problem. Yeah. Whether you are mad at people for being poor, or you're poor yourself, or or you're afraid. Yeah. Yeah. But the the, re, the real insidious force is people who are afraid, even though they have every resource and every comfort, and it's like, okay, so now you're just inventing you're inventing a guy to be mad at, inventing a poor person to be mad at. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's we we need to nip that in the bud too. I don't really know how to do that. I don't know. I abolish I, ring cameras, of course. I don't know. Why I brought I brought that up, but it did feel. You know, the, I, this book is spiritual in its own way, and it is involved in all these people's lives who are who have fallen off in some way, yeah. fallen off the rail of yeah. society. Yeah. Uh, and so, I don't know. I think that just like hearing Marianne Williamson talk so directly, clearly, compassionately about the kind of stuff that this book is interested in, which is the dirty edges of a future society in a moment of ambiguous but somewhat certain decline. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah, they, they think, you know, I think America thinks that, you know, ge- the gentle administration is like, we did it, we cleaned it up. And it's like, yes, 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 all yes. We did, all we did was put all the garbage in a pile and someone is going to have to deal with the and garbage. Fire, yes. You can't just fling it away in a, in a dumpster flying through the air via catapult. Yes, 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 That that is... You know, that's the bad vibes. I, I forgot that the, the gentle administration is about cleanliness. Yeah. And this book, everybody in it is filthy, dirty. Yes. Some, like, yeah, li- sometimes like literally. literally. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they, for the most part, I feel like they want not to be, but they can't help because of the conditions around them, mm-hmm. you know? Yes. Uh, and that is, that is the vibe. That is the bad vibe. Right? Yeah. The only way around it is to all get together in a room and talk about stuff. Yes. Oh, we were talking about this. Sorry, I'm. I, keep, I feel like I'm scrounging for topics, but uh, I, I I feel like we should bring this up on the show. Mm. Uh, we were talking at lunch that there should be an alive anonymous. Yes. Like not alcohol. Liver. Liver. Liver's anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> but not about liver. But not about liver. Uh, but yeah, yes. If you are a lot, just a weekly community meeting. That you can go to that has no specific subject and you can just go uh, go to for an hour and somebody says a few words up top that is not religious and is not personality driven and is not about raising money for anything. But somebody uh, says a few words at the top and then everybody goes around and says, hi, I'm Chris. Uh, here's what happened in my week. Yeah. Uh, I'm then, feeling kind of bad about this thing, but kind of good about this thing. It's another week. I'm I'm alive. Yeah. And every, everyone's uh, problems are taken equally seriously, whether you're yeah. in, in your bottom or not. Yes. And then you all uh, get together afterwards for it, coffee. Yeah, and talk. coffee and donuts. Yeah. And yeah. have a little, a little bit of a mixer and everybody uh, chit chats and drink some fruit punch or coffee. 
I thought, thought something like sweet and bright might might uh, help. <laughs> I just haven't thought of fruit punch in in some time. It is like it's like you you guys want some fruit drink? Fruit drink? It's fruit. What kind of fruit? I don't it, know. All <laughs> it's red, red flavor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, alive anonymous. Uh, message us if you would be if you if would you'd be interested in participating in, in, in alive, alive anonymous, anonymous. Then we should just do that. Uh, yes. Uh, the email is, of course, theinfinitecastpod at gmail.com. Please rate, review, subscribe uh, on I, I terms, I iTunes. Um, we love hearing from all of you who are listening. Anything else, Molly? I think that's all I got. Uh, wow, an amazing uh, tennis move being seen yeah, as the, we watch our highlights. Cross if he did, If slide. I did that, I would break, break both. I would be like Marath. <laughs> I would lose both my oh, legs at oh, the knee. One quick question about how this segment is written. Mm-hmm. Are all the lines in quotes or is it just like line? No, it's um, like, does you literally use quotation? The dialogue marks? has quotation marks, at least in this version, single quotes, weirdly, um, not double quotes, not the double quotation marks. Yeah. It's just like, uh, Hey, no footnote or no end notes. In no end notes in this. Are there ever end notes on, see, this is the other thing that I have to go back and look for. Are there ever end notes on quotes? Like yeah. people talking. Like, what is the relationship between uh, people talking to people to the actual text? Um, are the endnotes only on things that are described? Because mm-hmm. I kind of think that that's true. Somebody, like, again, if you're listening to this and, and have any insight on that, please message us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like the the interesting relationship to people speaking to the you know the universal mind of mm-hmm. the describer. Yeah. Um, also, the other thing is, you know, we we joke about turning this into. Um, a TV show or a movie or something. It would have to be a TV show. Yeah. Into into a TV show. The book is a thousand pages long. Yep. How many total lines of dialogue do you think are in it? Like 200? Yeah, there's not. I mean, definitely not the most used uh, format, but it ha- it happens sometimes. Yeah. There's just not that much talking in this book. Yeah. Compared Mostly to between the length Steeply of the and Morath. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. That's probably enough. Okay. Well, what are we, we're, we're at forty five. Yeah, we get we give him fifteen minutes of discussion. Yeah. <laughs> Not like the, we're doing this as an obligation. I'm just trying to, you know, I, I'm trying to give you my producer brain on the fly. Yeah. Of being like, all right, so we the readings was third was twenty eight minutes, so we do seventeen minutes of discussing. That seems like a good balance for an episode, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Bye. <laughs>